Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Heather Baines. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I'll bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. All right, so February is Ayurveda month, and we are kicking it off strong with Heather, who happens to be a doctor of Ayurvedic medicine. She is the also the owner and founder of Roots of Wellness Ayurveda, which is located in Boulder, Colorado. And everyone that I chat with this month actually works for Heather um, over at Roots of Wellness Ayurveda. So um, she is such a light, like all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom that she brought to us um, in today's episode. It's just going to be, I think, a perfect backdrop on everything that you're going to need to know about what an Ayurvedic doctor does, what what an Ayurvedic practitioner does, um, what an Ayurvedic coach does, and just kind of the differences and how people can help you and um, why you'd want to see an Ayurvedic doctor and what they can help you with. And then just kind of a great introduction into Ayurveda. So if you guys want to know a little bit more about it, this would definitely be the episode to tune into. So without further ado, here is today's episode with Heather. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. And today I have, um, well, we're kicking off Ayurvedic month, I should say, on the podcast. And I have Heather Baines with us to kind of introduce us to the concept and what an Ayurvedic doctor is and just a little bit more about um, Ayurveda. So I want to kind of throw it over to you, Heather, and tell us a little bit about your journey and how you even discovered it. How I discovered Ayurveda. Um, This is going to take me uh, about a decade back Um, and even further, actually. Uh, So my father was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma when uh, when my daughter was about two, um, and she is now 15. Um, so this was about 13 years ago. Uh, he, he fought melanoma and ultimately ended up passing away after about three years of, um, of treatment. Uh, and during that time, he actually, um, worked with doctors who recognized the role of diet and lifestyle, um, including mindfulness practices and meditation, um, in, the successful recovery um, and uh, potential healing from uh, from from uh, metastatic cancer. So, um, but unfortunately, his was um, very advanced, and we watched his body completely crumble during uh, traditional um, chemotherapy, radiation, interleukin treatment. He was actually very cutting edge at the time of the things that they were doing for him. <clears throat> But it was very, very devastating to his overall health. And um, so out of that, I began a deep inquiry into how can we best support our health and our vitality? And uh, what is out there um, in terms of health practices that we are not aware of in our traditional medical system in, um, you know, going to see the doctor for your annual checkup um, and looking at your blood work and look, everything looks good. You're on your way. Um, I I just had a sense that there had to be a lot, lot more that we uh, didn't understand and weren't addressing. Mm -hmm. So um, fast forward a few years, I was deep in my uh, yoga practice and decided to become a yoga teacher. Uh, And during my first 200 hour yoga teacher training, I was 
um, by divine intervention, as some of us who do yoga training are, I was introduced to Ayurveda. And at that moment, um, I was very, very clear that that was my path and that's what I needed to pursue. Um, and so I uh, did a second yoga teacher training. During that second teacher training, I actually ended up being the one to present Ayurveda and present the little knowledge that I had just from reading books, self-study, um, putting together my understanding of the doshas. Uh, and then from there, started really deeply looking into who was going to be my teacher. Uh, and that led me to... Um, going to school at the Alandi Ashram and Ayurveda Gurukula in Boulder, Colorado, and studying with Alakananda Ma. Uh, and at the time, uh, Dr. Bharat Vaidya, who is also teaching here now at a school called Ayurveda Sadhana, uh, he was doing the advanced program in, uh, in Boulder at Alandi. And so, um, you know, it was a process of my own inquiry uh, looking into alternative medicine, looking into uh, herbal medicine, looking into homeopathy, you know, really beginning to, to, to look at what is the breadth of, of alternative medicine, and then ultimately landing on Ayurveda via my yoga practice and a very profound experience of uh, direct perception, you know, that, that self-study, Svadhyaya that we, um, that we uh, approach in, in our yoga practice. Um, so that's how I found Ayurveda. Mm. Um, so if someone is just kind of like new to understanding like, oh, it's like actually they have Ayurvedic doctors or there's a place or it's a medicine. Cause I think sometimes when people have heard it, they're just like, oh, it's this concept that might not put it like, oh, there's actually a system behind it. Can you kind of break that down for us and just tell us a little bit more about like, what is an Ayurvedic doctor, practitioner and the levels and maybe a little bit about what each of them can do? Sure. Um, so the first thing that I want uh, your listeners to, to understand is that Ayurveda is one of the oldest uh, um, systematized um, practices of medicine on the planet. Uh, it has been in continual practice for um, many, 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 many thousands of years. Uh, and it's hard to actually quantify how many thousands of years um, <laughs> that has been practiced in India and throughout uh, the Indus Valley region. Um, because of a lot of overlay, political overlay of how, how we've documented time and um, and uh, and what we understand about the length of time that humans have been on the earth, but um, you'll find uh, Ayurvedic doctors and BAMS um, practitioners in India um, who will say that Ayurveda goes back 10,000, 20,000, 25,000 years. Um, Western timeline often is three to 5,000 years, but either way, uh, it's a very, very old practice of medicine and of understanding how things work um, in the universe and then subsequently in our body. So as above, so below, as without, so within, um, what we can see in, in how nature functions, um, those, those same 
principles apply to how our body functions. And that ultimately is the root of, uh, of Ayurvedic practice and of our health is a harmonious um, balance of natural elements within our body. Uh, and so then come fast forward to 2018. Uh, here we are in the United States of America. Um, and there are, um, you know, practitioners like myself, I uh, have honestly never stepped foot into in, in, in India. Uh, I've got received all of my training here in the United States. Um, so there has been about a decade of work done by the National Ayurvedic Medical Association to, um, to establish scopes of practice. And so what you will find if you decide that Ayurveda is right for you, that this idea of finding healthy balance, uh, balancing your digestive system, recognizing the health of your digestive system on, uh, on your total health, um, if, you, if this resonates with you and you, you're wanting to find an Ayurvedic practitioner, where do you go? Um, the National Ayurvedic Medical Association is a great website to visit. And there you can actually search for Ayurvedic practitioners based on your region or based on your state. Um, NAMA recognizes three levels of Ayurvedic practitioners. Um, the first level being the Ayurvedic health coach, um, which you would fall under, Andrea, with the level of training that you have and the work that you're doing and just getting this message out that Ayurveda is such a profound healing science. Um, so your Ayurvedic health coach is going to be able to give you a really general um, overview of the doshas, uh, vata, pitta, and kapha, um, and the five elements, air, space, fire, water, and earth. Uh, it's going to be able to give you a general idea of seasonal practices, general idea of right diet for the season and for your constitution, may be able to help you begin to identify what your constitution is and, um, and what the best practices are for you based on your constitution, including um, what kind of exercise to pursue. Um, whether that's really vigorous, um, heated, perhaps, heated yoga, hot yoga, Bikram-style yoga, um, or intense um, uh, resistance training, um, or long-distance running, you know, whatever those best practices are for you. Um, and they may actually be as simple as uh, taking a daily walk, um, which Ayurveda highly recommends. Regular exercise, low intensity. Just regular exercise every day. Get out for your 30 to 60 minute walk, um, which subsequently the American Medical Association has recently begun to recognize uh, the role of low intensity daily walks on our heart health. So you could start with an Ayurvedic health coach and work with that person. Um, if you have a history of, um, of, of health uh, concern, uh, you might consider seeing an Ayurvedic practitioner AP is the designation um, that is beginning to be used, um, or an Ayurvedic doctor, AD. Uh, and the difference between an Ayurvedic health practitioner and an Ayurvedic doctor is length of time in training, um, the depth in which you uh, have studied traditional um, 
Ayurvedic diagnosis and treatment. Um, and so an Ayurvedic practitioner generally will study between one and two years. Uh, and an Ayurvedic doctor is, um, is trained, uh, is, it's a four-year training, a full-time four-year training um, with additional clinic hours and additional um, patient interactions or interactions with clients. Um, and so many of the doctors that we see who are practicing in the United States from India uh, have even more training. BAMS practitioners uh, are recognized as Ayurvedic doctors in the United States by NAMA. And uh, they generally have between six and seven years of, uh, of school and interning, um, doing their, their practicums and working in clinic, clinical um, uh, situations, um, working in the clinic and uh, clinical encounters is the word I was looking for. Um, and then there is the, um, uh, in India, you will also have doctors from India coming to the United States who have an Ayurvedic MD or they're they're both they were trained simultaneously in Ayurveda and as a medical doctor um, and so so there are various levels of practitioners that you can find um, but I would start with Nama and if you are listening and um, you've worked with uh, Andrea and you're in Minnesota um, there is there are state level associations and so there is the Minnesota Association of Ayurvedic Practitioners um, and in Colorado where I am um, there is the Colorado Ayurvedic Medical Association and so we also list out practitioners and their various levels of training um, and certifications and, and recognitions. Very cool. That was a uh, long-winded response. No, I like it. I was going to ask, because um, one thing that kind of came up was like, so in, you know, the Western medicine, we have our nurse practitioners and our doctors. Would that be similar in the Ayurvedic sense, like the Ayurvedic practitioner and doctor in terms of like mm. that training and skill sets? That is, uh, you know, I wouldn't in any way, shape, or form make that one-to-one -one connection, mm -hmm. only because uh, none of our levels, scopes of practice in Ayurveda, um, allow us to treat. Okay. None of our levels, scopes of practice, allow us to do any invasive treatments, um, do any needle poking, blood drawing, um, anything like that. So that's my first hesitation mm -hmm. in trying to do a one-to-one -one comparison or an understanding there. Yeah. Um, I would just, I, what I would say is that the breadth of knowledge and the depth of knowledge is uh, is different between an Ayurvedic practitioner and an Ayurvedic doctor. At the end of two years in my studies, when I became an Ayurvedic practitioner, I, at the risk of, <laughs> of, uh, of you know, uh, making some of my peers, um, <laughs> let me just say this, at the end of my two years, I had just enough knowledge to kind of be dangerous with Ayurveda. That's, and that is exactly the exact language someone used in the course that I'm taking right now to become an Ayurvedic practitioner. So I, yeah, I totally understand. I mean, it's. So there's, there's, we, we really barely got into some of the more advanced understandings about how the doshas interact. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not as simple as I'm Vata. Yeah. And I need to vata soothe because if you're always vata, and also I'll give you a really specific example. If you are set out on a, on a, um, 
um, on a course where all of your recommendations are vata soothing recommendations, including moist, heavy, sticky, and sweet foods. Um, you know, a lot of self-care, a lot of oiling of the body, taking things really slow, making sure you're on a regular regimen and a schedule. Those are all really beautiful vata soothing recommendations. And if that's what you leave with as a, um, as a patient or a client of an Ayurvedic practitioner, and you apply this for every season over the course of years, which I actually have patients that this has been their story, is they were vata deranged, vata constitution, and so nearly 100% focused their self-care on vata soothing, mm -hmm. that, that then ends up stimulating or um, causing an excess of the opposite qualities that are in the other doshas. So if all the time you're adding heat to everything to soothe vata, over time you may increase pitta. Mm -hmm. You're going to increase pitta. Pitta will be increased during the summertime when it's already hot. Same thing with kapha. If all the time you're trying to bring heaviness to vata dosha, which is made of air and space, it's very light, it's very mobile, it's very cold, it's very fast, and so we're trying to slow things down and make things a little heavier. Bring everybody, bring those vatas down to earth. Well, over time, you're going to stimulate, you're going to increase kapha. And that may result then over time in um, dyslipidemia. Uh, excess buildup of cholesterol and triglycerides in the blood because you have indulged in a sticky, sweet, heavy diet in order to soothe vata. So an Ayurvedic doctor is going to be able to help you manage your condition very specifically um, and, and look at what needs to be managed at what time mm -hmm. as the seasons progress. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And if someone's thinking like, okay, so who who should or when should I know if I should see an Ayurvedic doctor? Like I actually sent a client who, um, of mine who lives in New York to an Ayurvedic doctor. She just wasn't getting any answers from Western medicine. She was just always fatigued, exhausted, and um, has bad digestion. And so I was like, hey, I know you hear me talking about it. Would you be open just to just visiting your local Ayurvedic doctor? And she did. And she's actually like starting to make some like, oh, I have some imbalances going on and, you know, learning about it. Yeah. Like, is that your main, you know, client that you would see as an Ayurvedic doctor or how do people know, like, when, what to treat? was like, I can't treat a broken arm or, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. So what I say and, and how we list that out on our um, website at Roots of Wellness is that if you are coming in with a medical diagnosis, if you're in an advanced stage or you've had a chronic condition, um, more likely than not, you should be seeing an Ayurvedic doctor. Mm -hmm. um, if something acute is coming up, uh, if you have a health history, but it has not yet manifested in your life um, and you are working more preventatively, um, then absolutely work with your Ayurvedic health coach or even your Ayurvedic practitioner. Practitioner. Um, but when you're working with things that have really been deep-seated, you've experienced symptoms for a long time, and I mean greater than one, two, three years, um, perhaps since you were a kid, like my digestion's always been off uh, forever, um, that is a good indication that you may want to work with someone um, at the level of the Ayurvedic doctor.
So, um, and then any of, you know, there's, there's autoimmune conditions are on the rise. Um, you know, it, all of the different ways that inflammation is at the root of, um, of, uh, you know, of, of health disease, health symptoms. Um, you know, if you're working with, uh, um, systemic inflammation, then uh, again, an Ayurvedic doctor is going to be really, really helpful there because Ayurveda sees inflammation or SOTA as uh, a combination of all three doshas are involved, not just one or two. It's all three. And so when you start to work with situations where, you know, I can't really tell what's going on. It's a little bit of vata and a little bit of pitta and a little bit of kapha or a lot of kapha and a little bit, you know... and it changes, um, that's a good indication to, to see um, an Ayurvedic doctor. Mm, perfect. Um, yeah, what about weight loss in Ayurveda? Like, what types of tips, um, you know, if someone's trying to lose weight and they're like, I've tried so many things and it's just not going anywhere? Or yeah. maybe they lack the motivation to even start a plan. Uh, my mom, yeah, she doesn't, she does not listen. So I always call her out. She's always like, oh, but like I try as I might just, she doesn't have the motivation. She's just like, ah, you know, or like, for instance, for her, like running was her thing. She loves to run and can't do it anymore because her knees are shot. Sure. Okay. So this was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about and talk to your listeners about uh, is that in that kind of a case, um, when um, uh, a client like that um, comes and sees me, it's really important to break down Ayurveda and look at what's going on in terms of priorities, like what's going on for your mom in this month, in this season, Mm -hmm. and what can she focus on this week? And next week <laughs> and, and implementing um, recommendations one at a time. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really important. So I emphasize with patients who come and see me um, that we will be working together for a number of months. Um, it's not like chiropractic where you need to come in for an adjustment, you know, every week, perhaps for the rest of your life. That is not how I view Ayurveda. Um, but what I do say is that it is that the, the, the greatest success that I've seen in my patients' health have been with those patients who see me monthly for a minimum of three to six months. So we go through a season or two of adjustments and uh, work month by month on what is the lifestyle practice, diet changes, sleep schedule changes, and exercise adjustments month by month that are most important right now. And so slowly, slowly, slowly over time, we implement an Ayurvedic lifestyle. Um, Most, at least I'll just, I'll just speak from my own personal experience. When I first learned about Dinacharya or daily habits, uh, I, remember feeling completely overwhelmed, mother of two children in a full-time program to learn Ayurveda. And here I was being presented with all the Dinacharya, all these habits that we would do daily, starting with the moment you wake up until the moment that you go to sleep. And um, 
And I thought, I'm going to be in the bathroom for hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and yes, you can really make a full spa day out of Dinacharya and these, and these self-care practices. And that's beautiful. That's really pretty fun if you can set aside the time. Um, and I recognize that most of us can't. So what's the most important thing? Let's start there. And then let's build on what works. After you've experienced, um, you know, the health benefits, you start to feel better, you start to feel more energized, or you start to feel more grounded, or your sleep improves, or your digestion improves. Once you have those little bits of success, once you've experienced that success, it's much easier than to take the next step. So, you know, I, I always strongly recommend that you develop a relationship with your Ayurvedic practitioner, and that you plan to work with that person over a period of <clears throat> at least two or three seasons until you've developed enough information to be able to go off on your own uh, and then annual checkups perhaps in the spring and in the fall um, during those seasons where we actually can take advantage of the seasonal changes that are occurring to then clear out our system and detox our system um, you know then you can get on that kind of a longer schedule between your follow-ups but early on it's really helpful to just see your practitioner um, pretty regularly. Mm. Did I answer your question? Oh yeah. No, I think that's, that's also pretty much what I've been preaching too with training. Cause I tell people I don't do, you know, month to month. I'm like, it's three, six or 12 month commitments. Cause I'm like, I, even then, you know, I'm like, it's hard to make those changes. It's kind of like those first three months. I'm like, we're figuring out what works for your body. What habits do we need to change? And it's not an overnight thing, you know? Right. And I remember the first time it was when I was st started, I think studying Ayurveda, or maybe I hadn't even started at this point, but I had a client tell me that she was really affected every seasonal change. She's like, I just am so out of whack with my rhythms. And at the time I was like, oh, I don't know what, I've never heard this before. Like what? And then now I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, this is a thing. Like a lot of people go through this, but she might've been the first person to ever tell me this, or I didn't even pick up on it with my training clients. Like, of course, moms around September are going to have a tougher time because things are just chaotic and it's busy and new schedules. I'm like, of course. And Vata just increased and the yes. winds are starting to pick up and yes. our pitta has elevated all summer and we're starting to get hyperacidity and indigestion and we can't figure out why. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, they, I mean, all of those are just so fat. Once you learn it, you're like, well, this makes complete sense. Right. And that's the thing is Ayurveda is a uh, I like to say it's a shift in your worldview. It's a shift in how you perceive reality. It's a shift in how you observe what's going on in your body. And that shift takes time. Yes. When we have gone our entire lives sitting in classrooms, looking outside of ourselves for knowledge and wisdom, waiting for the teacher to tell us what the right answer is so that we can write it down on the test, um, you know, when, when that's the whole way that we have learned to perceive. Mm-hmm. What did the news reporter say? You know, what does the politician say? What, it's all outside of ourselves. And all of a sudden Ayurveda says, look within. Look at your own experience. Match it to what we know about these things called the elements. Um, you know, which when you first start studying Ayurveda, you're like, earth? What are we talking about here with earth? And then, you know, so you have to look at, well, what do you consider earth? Okay, the soil the rocks, the substance, this giant mass that we're, you know, spinning around through space on that's holding us to itself. Um, 
what are the qualities that make up the earth? And so once you break down those elements into qualities, then you can start to then match those qualities um, to your experience. That's, you begin to see things in a very, very different way. Uh, and you extrapolate that out then into how you're interacting with others, how you're interacting with your environment, how your environment is impacting you, how the weather is impacting you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes time. So, you know, that's why I encourage uh, anybody who wants to start working with Ayurveda to work with a health coach, a practitioner, or a doctor and, and invest that time. The and books you, are amazing. Yeah. The, you know, the self-study is amazing. There's a lot of great information. There is really a lot of great information on the internet, although some of it's really, um, really watered down. Um, but to work with, uh, you know, to work with a practitioner then to guide you into your own understanding of what's going on in your body is profound, life-changing and profound. Yeah. So I think you'd also asked about weight loss and like what the approach would be there with weight loss. And Ayurveda says that the root of our health is our digestion. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the first thing that any Ayurvedic health coach practitioner or doctor is going to look at is, you know, how's your digestion? How are you digesting your food? What are your symptoms? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel sluggish? Um, Do you get hyperacidity? Um, do, are you always hungry? Do you have gnawing hunger? All these things tell us about the quality of our digestion. And then what's the result of the digestion? How's your energy levels? Mm-hmm. Um, how is your motivation? Uh, and then at the very end of the digestive process, um, how, is, how are your bowel movements? Uh, what are you actually able to then release out of your body? And is it complete? Um, is it, um, is it, you know, watery like diarrhea, is it, are you constipated all the time? I think I am astounded at the number of patients that come in with chronic constipation and somehow, somewhere along the way, um, probably because most of our doctors don't even ask, most of our medical doctors don't even ask these questions. Um, You know, many, many women especially have come to this strange conclusion that, well, it must be normal. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the first thing that we look at is digestive health and making sure that you're actually releasing the, the, the metabolic byproducts and the wastes from the body on a regular basis and not just storing it in the colon. Um, and making sure that everything's moving on a timely, you know, functioning on a time, in a timely manner and daily, <laughs> clearing everything out daily. So, you know, that's where we start with weight loss. Um, and, and then looking at, you know, in, in the example of your mom who loves to run and can't do it anymore, again, you know, what do we know? Um, what does Ayurveda recommend? Well, Ayurveda actually re- recommends simply gentle movement of the joints, like getting your body moving. So, you know, shifting that perception from vigorous, intense, you know, high intensity training as the only method towards health and you know, perhaps reining that in a bit and starting where you are. Mm-hmm. And if where you are is, you know, my knee aches, well, let's address the ache in the knee and let's get the synovial fluids moving in the joint and let's get you walking again. Mm. I think that is one of the things I see with tons of people is just that perception of, well, this is what's worked. So I have to keep doing this, but it, my body doesn't feel good doing it anymore but this is what works and trying to get that mindset shift. I think is huge in terms of just 
fitness it's, in general or just moving your body. Yeah, it is huge. And, uh, you know, and, and I like to give people the variety of information. So here's what Ayurveda says about it. Here's what the ancient texts say about it. And some people light up and they go, oh, this is wisdom that we've lost. And I'd like to recapture that. And other people are like, whatever. Yep. I, I'm not relating to that at all. And so then I say, and <laughs> here's the latest PubMed study. You know, here's what the doctors at Harvard just discovered. And here's what, um, you know, here's what the Mayo Clinic is saying. Um, and, and so, and then that might encourage other, uh, other, other types, um, to recognize that this is this marriage between the old and the, and, and the new. And in fact, it's the same because it's timeless. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I pretty much do the same. I'm like, do you want to know from my trainer perspective or the Ayurvedic lens? And they're always like, how about a little of both? I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> oh, so kind of wrapping up, um, one topic I just wanted, since spring is kind of hopefully around the corner soon, us in Minnesota, we just got dumped by snow. Um, yeah. What are some like spring tips for, because springs, we always think of like that spring cold. Um, if people are like, okay, so what are some practical things that I could do to kind of help prevent maybe getting that spring cold? And this is obviously very vague and general in general things sure 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 so um you know we hear a lot about vata uh, and kapha reduction vata reduction through the winter and kapha reduction going into this spring um and you know what that is referring to is um we've already introduced in this call um Vata being the dosha that is made up of the elements of air and space, and uh, kapha dosha is the um, dosha that is made up of the elements of earth and water. Um, and so, you know, snow, the blankets, the entire countryside is this heavy, wet blanket of kapha. It's heavy and dense and liquid, ultimately, when it starts to melt. Um, so there are a couple of things as we're, while we're in the late winter, which is what the season that we're coming into, Ayurveda actually recommend, rec, uh, recognizes two winter seasons, early winter and late winter. And while we're in um, this season, it is very helpful to keep warm. Vata and Kapha are both elevated, so we want to keep warm. And it's it seems like um, you know it's common sense, and yet take a look at any line of children in your neighborhood waiting for the bus in the morning. And for some reason, our children, and I remember this even happening back when I was in school, um, they think it's cool to go out in their t-shirt and their jeans and they don't want to put their jacket and their hats on anymore. And one of the most important things Ayurveda says is layer, put the layers on your body. Wear the softer fibers next to your body. Use wool, use silk, use these breathable natural fibers um, to maintain a proper level of heat in the body. <clears throat> so that's just really general, really important and really helpful. Um, but as we get into the spring and those winter snows begin to melt, we start to see things get really soppy. You know, you call it the mud season up at the ski resorts. So the landscape's kind of gray, it's really muddy, it's, it's sticky, it's wet. Um, you step into a mud puddle, you get a big, you know, your shoe is coated in this sticky, sticky glunky, sticky, me messy mud. Um, the same thing if 
that that is going on outside of you is also going on inside of you. Uh, any buildup of kapha begins to show itself as sinus congestion, as excess mucus. Um, we may be more prone to cold, prone to colds and coughs. Um, you know, this this sticky congestion that begins to build up in the body. Uh, so, really basic self care is to actually dry out as that's happening if you see that that's happening is to actually dry out that kapha so working with um, foods that are astringent and this gets into a whole thing when we work with um, our clients is you know they're really familiar with sweet salty and sour and we have three additional tastes bitter astringent and pungent um, that America, the American palate is not so familiar with. So astringency is any food item that when you take it into your mouth, it kind of leaves your tongue feeling uh, dry. I mean, it does, not kind of. It leaves your tongue feeling dry, kind of sandpapery. Um, so you can think about pomegranate juice. Are you familiar with pomegranate juice? I have not drank it ever before, I do not believe. Or eat pomegranate seeds. I have yeah, now you'll have to go out and try some pomegranate juice, um, but it leaves a very dry feeling on the mouth. Or, and you probably are familiar with spinach, you know, yes. cooked spinach. Uh, you eat a bowl full of cooked spinach and, and it just leaves your tongue feeling very, very dry. These are foods that are astringent in flavor. And that astringency is tonifying to the tissues, um, but it helps to break down this mucus buildup and, and dry it out so your body can actually expel it. Mm. Um, so, so we like to dry out kapha. There are some simple things that you can do um, using ginger and turmeric, really, really helpful in the spring. Um, Tulsi tea is very, very helpful uh, for balancing kapha in the body and in the lungs and in the sinuses. Um, so Tulsi is known as holy basil and Organic India has a beautiful line of Tulsi teas that you can find at Whole Foods. Um, you know, if you've got a co-op, oftentimes you can find it there. Um, you know, higher end, I would say higher end natural food stores, uh, you'll be able to find Organic India Tulsi teas. Really, really helpful for this phlegmy, mucusy buildup of kapha in the springtime. And then adding simple things like extra pepper to your foods. Um, you know, bringing in a little pungency, just a little bit, um, to kind of break up, again, break up that mucus. So there are, you know, I like in the springtime to take Tulsi tea with maybe some licorice, some ginger, some turmeric, help the body fight any microbes, fight any viruses that, you know, might be in our uh, environment, and then, um, and then add a little extra pepper to my foods, um, really basic simple things we can just simply do with diet and then get your body moving get your body moving especially in the springtime um to break up that kapha and that stagnance you know we kind of spent the whole winter you know we just came out of the holiday season uh and indulging in all the holiday foods so get your body moving that's really important mm, yes I love those. Those are great. And like, sometimes you're just like, wow, I was doing that, you know, not thinking about it. Like I just added black pepper and I was like, I need some turmeric. I don't know why. I'm like, my body is probably telling me like it's fighting off or trying to fight off a cold. And like, you're doing this just because I don't, I'm like, I don't usually add pepper and, yeah. like, but I just am feeling cold too. And so sometimes when you really slow down and listen, it's like, oh, my body is really smart. It knows what it needs. 
And that's the beauty of working with Ayurveda, working with your Ayurvedic health coach, working with your Ayurvedic practitioner, your Ayurvedic doctor, is that the longer that you work with it, the more you begin to listen to what your body needs and those natural inclinations. Um, what is, you know, what is our natural inclination? What are we craving? You start to understand perhaps why you're craving what you're craving. And then you can indulge those cravings that are actually healthy for you, as opposed to getting into the candy jar every single day, which we all know is not healthy for us. So being able to discern that, bring in that discerning wisdom, super helpful. Yes. So if people are looking to connect with you, um, where can they find you at your in Colorado, as my dog is barking, um, or yeah. online? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so rootsofwellnessayurveda.com is the website for my practice. Um, there are two Ayurvedic doctors who are currently on the schedule at Roots of Wellness, myself and Nicole Herbert. And I believe you're going to have Nicole on your show later wow. this month. I am. Uh, and um, Acacia Pulaski and David McConaughey are Ayurvedic practitioners. And they are both getting ready to graduate this spring. I believe David is very, very close to graduating, um, and, and, and they will actually then also be Ayurvedic doctors. So there are four of us on the schedule at Roots of Wellness Ayurveda. We are in North Boulder in Colorado. Um, we offer Ayurvedic uh, health care and Ayurvedic body work. Um, Nicole is a licensed massage therapist, so she's actually able to offer uh, full Ayurvedic Abhyanga oil massage, as well as some additional treatments that we recommend in certain situations um, using warm oils primarily. Um, so we're in North Boulder, and um, and you can find me online. I'm on Facebook, um, not so much on Twitter, although I do have a profile on Twitter. Um, but primarily, you can find us on Facebook, I, uh, Roots of Wellness Ayurveda, and you know I am always posting. Uh, about this intersection um, between our understanding, what we understand um, from an Ayurvedic perspective and what modern medicine has recently discovered. <laughs> really fun. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to yeah. check that out. <clears throat> oh, well then, and I forgot to tell you this, but usually I end with a um, question for the audience. So when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. Mm -hmm. So what would you like that weekly challenge to be for everyone? Let me think. To start your month of Ayurveda, uh, I would like to challenge um, your listeners to spend five minutes of quiet time mm, like scanning that. their body. And this could happen first thing in the morning. That alarm clock goes off, you snooze it, because you know you just do. You snooze it, and you can then have your nine minutes between buzzers um, to scan your body. Check in with your breathing, check in with your stomach, your digestion. Begin to feel what your body's feeling and listen to what it's telling you. Um, and that would be, uh, I think, our Ayurvedic challenge for this week is just begin to listen to your body. And it miraculously is telling you what it needs. And if you're having a hard time understanding what it's saying, um, perhaps it's time to go see an Ayurvedic health coach or a mm. practitioner or a doctor. Yeah, and that's a great challenge. I actually, the episode that's going to air, actually the week before this is going to air, um, we talked about that and just people not understanding how to listen to your body and giving people concrete ways to do it. 
So this is like perfect timing. I mean, exactly one way for people to be like, okay, here's how I can start. So lie in bed, check your breath rate, check, you know, check how that feels. Is there, is there phlegm? Is there, do you need to do some clearing? Do you need to cough some of that out? Are you able to get your full deep breaths? Once you've settled into a, a, a steady breath rate, then bring your attention down lower, scan your belly, notice gurgling, notice if it feels like there's still food in it from the night before, um, notice if you're very sh- uh, sharply hungry and there's this gnawing and gurgling going on. Um, just notice, begin to notice. Um, yeah. It's a great way, great way to start the day. Oh. Yay. Thank you so much, Heather. It's been such a pleasure having you on. And um, I cannot wait to kind of deep dive in this month. I think this was a perfect, like, you know, little gateway for people to understand a little bit more about Ayurveda. So thank you so much for that. You are most welcome. Thanks for having me on the, on your program. I just love what you're doing, Andrea. So connect with your uh, Minnesota associates there in Ayurveda and be sure to check out Nama as well. Well, thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Special announcement alert. Roots of Wellness Ayurveda in Boulder, Colorado has decided to give a 20% discount to anyone who mentions the Peaceful Power podcast when booking an Ayurveda or astrology appointment with Roots of Wellness. So that again is in Boulder, Colorado. And um, if you listen to David, Heather, or Nicole, all of those are um, doctors or practitioners um, of Ayurveda work there. So feel free to mention the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you guys want to book an appointment, if you're in the area. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.